territories. Rap takeover is happening live from Seattle. Scotty Braun, AJ Brzezinski, Eric Kratz, JJ Cooper from Baseball America. And thanks for joining us and joining Glad the party here. here. What do you think of the draft so far? Let's get right into it because we have a number of guests joining us. So I want to get your quick take. The thing that stands out to me is, is we didn't know if anyone would try to get cute in the top five picks. There was a clear top five. There was five guys you say, okay, it's those five and then the next group. Those top five went in the top five. You could argue Schemes versus Cruz at one, but the Pirates got the best arm, maybe the best player in the draft. You really can't argue it at two. If it's Schemes is off the board, the Nationals sat there and said, we'll take the next best, you know, or maybe the best. And then after you get past that, you're still talking about Langford, you're talking about Clark, you're talking about Walker Jenkins. These were the top five guys in the class. They cleared out. And then we've had a few picks since then, and all of those have kind of generally followed expected form as well. It hasn't been a very surprising draft yet. What about Noah Chanel? No, he's good. Yeah. That's, that's a legit, that's a legit guy who fits in this. He's a, he's a, that is probably a bargain pick, but he also is arguably the most productive bat yeah. in the class from the college class. Now, you're not getting much defense. You're not getting the other parts. But if you look at numbers, Dylan Cruz is probably not as good, not as productive this year as Sean was. He had like 400, didn't it? 420, something yeah. like that? Yeah, among batting leaders, Four? among oh. on base, some slugging, power. Whack. All right. Well, Anything else surprise you? Langford Top five? Go three. I thought Langford would go higher. I was surprised the Pirates actually made the right pick. You I were was, surprised? I was like, is there the Pirates? Because I felt like they would go with, and I don't think I don't think you could go wrong with the top three guys, with Lankford and Skeens and and Cruz. I just felt like they were going to take the guy that was going to take the least amount of money, and then you would be like, oh, that's so Pirates of them. <laughs> but they didn't. <laughs> Seriously, like in a year and a half, I think Skeens can do something. Nobody knows what anybody's going to do. A year and a half, or he could be four, but I'm a saying year. Re really solidify himself. Yeah, I don't think the Pirates need him this year and why would they like no. start any kind of keep anything like I don't think it's as important like if they were in a playoff hunt if the Brewers picked him up right now yes right to the big leagues in whatever it is they need like a month or I'm talking about next year though July yeah. August if the Pirates are suddenly good because they are tracking that way this is a guy who could potentially go up there in our chat before we started people are like schemes 2025 I'm like 2024 yeah 2024, for sure. Uh, let's move on to another topic while we have a moment related to the beginning of the draft. So this was the first year we had the draft lottery. So the first six picks were not just Tank City in order. Um, that helped some teams like Pittsburgh, hurt other teams like Oakland. Where do you think we are with that right now? Like, do you like it? we need to go further? Because after that first six, then it's back to the win percentage order. It also really helped Minnesota. Minnesota got should have picked way later, and they got the fifth pick in a five-player draft at the top. So they, Walker Jenkins is a draft lottery uh, bonus for them, and not having any of the type, top five on the board is a nightmare in some ways for the A's. The one, though, that I was in the room when they did the ping-pong balls as the media representative. You were in the room. 
Yeah. Okay. The, and the ping pong balls were real. They, they, are, they, are real they are the same as we see in the NBA. What? There he's was a good, no frozen envelope. He's a good. He's a good ping pong player. But <laughs> how it worked for the number one pick when it came to the last ping pong ball, the Boston Red Sox had the highest odds of having the number one pick. And can you imagine what it would have been like if in the first MLB draft lottery of all time, the Red Sox, who, by the way, are not picking. They haven't picked yet, and then they're still not picking for a little while. Yeah. But they're picking if, right now. Okay, they're picking around. Sorry. But if they had gotten the number one pick, it would have been a complete outcry that clearly MLB has utterly rigged this thing. It's not fair. <laughs> it's not fair. They're just trying to help the big market teams. But it, it almost it was one ping pong bounce away. Yeah, but I, I hate this. Well, I actually like the lottery because I hate teams tanking. Like, you look at other sports, NBA specifically, and they try to lose to get the higher draft. Like, this is stupid. I think the other part that we're going to really notice down the road is you can only be in the lottery for a few years before you get kicked out of it. If you're terrible for a long time, you can't just keep rolling up top five picks. I like that. Never I like before. that a lot. What is but it, I, three years? Three years, five yeah, right. But I, I, but I like years. it. I want incentives for teams to be good. Forget just kicking them out. It should be even. It should be even. I don't know. I, I, my version of it was that I wrote probably six years ago. Now there should be a tank tax where you get bonuses for having a winning record, especially if you're a revenue, you know, a revenue sharing team, and you get penalties for being under seventy wins three years in a row. If you're that bad, there, there should be penalties for it. Colt Emerson just got drafted, Gatorade Player of the Year, by the local Seattle Mariners. That's right. The Mariners' first pick of many coming many. up pretty A soon lot. here, right? Many. They get the extra pick because Julio, because J. Rod's so good. Do you I like that? It. Yeah, I, I love the fact that one producing talent gets you rewarded. That's good, but two. You only get rewarded if you keep them there for the vast majority of the year. You don't get rewarded as a team if you call a guy up, if you gain the system for salary arbitration reasons. This was a huge problem in my mind in this sport, especially over the last 10 years. Chris Bryant was the poster boy of this. Dude had nothing left to do, and you have to hear the bullshit from a front office member being like, well, a little bit more defense. I know he was the best hitter in spring training, and he's been great in the minor weird league. voice for a front office you, guy. You, it was what? A weird voice for the I front had to office. change the voice to some yeah. extent. Yeah. When you talk like AJ, you go, well, <laughs> yo, you're always in my house. You never played. <laughs> so the front office voice is both are true. My front office voice was like a little more of a, like a higher pitch to it, right? Would you pay the same amount of money – for something, if you waited 15 more days and you got it at a discount? Depends what it is. Ask JJ. Would See, you pay? If it means that you get the house or they get the car for it, it's like a lease and you get it for an extra year. Wait, but I'm going to add a caveat, okay? Um, you're... Potentially going on a date, let's say, and the date is going to be very impressed if you have that car, but you have to wait two weeks. The date might not be there in two weeks. Someone else might ask her out. 
The, the Chicago nobody's Cubs. Gonna, they're not trading them. They're not. Nobody's gonna be like, oh, you didn't Wait, call them up. Hold up, yeah. Chris Bryant. He's on our Chris team. There, there's reasoning for this. This is, this is what I used to say, because this would happen every year in the bigs, and I don't know if it, it directly actually ended up happening. But I'm like, what if this team misses out on the playoffs mm. by a game or two, and we're like, they didn't call the guy up for two or three weeks. It's just not right. And even if the exact scenario didn't happen, it's not a wild scenario if we kept this going. Last year, perfect example. Julio Rodriguez called up from the jump. I would make a very strong case that he would not have been called up right away. They would have waited two or three weeks. Mariners made the playoffs. Maybe they don't if he's not called up in the first few weeks of the season right away instead of three weeks in. Is that fair? I think that's fair. Do you remember who was the guy who blocked Chris Bryant? If I remember, I was Mike Olt. They Mike. said that Chris Bryant's defense needed work so that they could play Mike Olt. And nothing against Mike no. Olt. Not known for his glove. Is that right? Mike Olt. If I remember I right. I mean, that's around that time. Yeah. Well, they had to say something. What I mean, what else were they going to say? He doesn't they smile enough? They come out and say, <laughs> oh, they can't say that. They can't because then they'd get in trouble. There was a yeah. case. Yeah. There, there, was, there, there was a case that went on for about four or five years. And the thing that they had, though the Cubs won it because it was impossible to actually prove that it wasn't a baseball decision. Didn't it happen. Didn't it happen to George Springer too with the Astros. Didn't they he do had, the same thing? But it wasn't as highly publicized. They said the same thing. His defense, and it wasn't as highly publicized because he wasn't the best player in all of baseball in spring training that year. True. Which is Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant was legitimately the best hitter. In at least Arizona, that's in the great. whole in the whole and land. Now, and now he's gone to Colorado and and get hurt. Yeah, but it's like he went to Colorado and he got a lot of money. The Braves basically went from being disasters in the seventies and eighties to being a team to envy. Juggernaut. Most of the last three decades now. They just they just took Hurston Waldrop, your guy from Florida. And I and my thought was, I think they showed a video of him pitching at Durham. And my thought was, is it better now for a guy like Hurston Waldrop, who didn't throw strikes? Possibly, you said no, no, one like, time, just in the championship in the championship series. game. But so, is it better for him to go to the Braves and be in that pitching juggernaut, or the Rays? Braves. I I completely Braves. agree. I think the Braves do a great job of creating guys to be great big league pitchers for a longer time. I think the Rays buy a sports car. I should say it again. The Braves buy the sports car and they drive it. They keep it clean. The Rays rent a sports car and they drive the absolute piss out of it. And then it's time to go. But they get the most out of it. So I think it's awesome for him to be able to go there. He's going to learn how to throw a fastball. Down and away. <laughs> you know what the Braves love? Where's he from? Not, not Florida. Originally. Georgia, probably. Thomasville, Georgia. They love. The Braves love dudes from Georgia. They do. I mean, they are the best. Right, JJ? Yeah. Lots they, to I choose mean, from. Fran, you start McCann, Frank Hoare. Like, all these guys are jo Michael Harris. Go Harrod, back to Michael Adam Wainwright. I know Wainwright. we think of him as a Cardinal, but he came no, up with the Braves. He was a Braves. But they love, for the last 25 years, they've drafted dudes from Georgia that were Braves guys. That's an easy state to pick from. Yeah, but do you know There's why? A lot going on there. They have a mentality, and 
I think they've done a really good job of promoting this message. I've talked to people that have worked for the Braves. And sure, you can say it in any organization. But yes, there is a ton of talent in Georgia. And what they say is, we're not getting beat in Georgia. So they're going to favor Georgia players more. They are going to be around players that are from Georgia more naturally, right? That's easy for them. So they make sure they dominate their territory. JJ, do you hear anything like that as well? Because I've heard that from people in the organization. I'm not going off a conversation in the last few weeks, but I've heard that over my years covering the Braves. Like Michael Harris, I definitely asked. I'm like, how are you on them? They were like, we do our best to make sure that someone like Michael Harris was not selected elsewhere as the diamond in the rough. And we said, we missed him, and he was in our backyard. That's cool to me. When Jason Hayward was a high school senior, the Braves were never seen scouting him. They had, a, they had one of their scouts in the woods. Come on. No way. True story. Like, like basically, they, and the thing about it is, is Hayward was really patient. And I, for everything I've heard, they're all tall tales maybe, but the Braves kept you know, bringing that up. Man, it's tough to evaluate a guy who draws three walks and four at bats. You know, <laughs> how do you how do you get a sense of this guy? Look where he fell. Oh, with the with the I think whatever pick it was, the Braves select Jason Hayward. They've done that over and over, and they have guys who might be willing to float a larger number to other teams because they want to be a Brave. Everyone there grows up a Braves fan. Most everyone. And they want, and they have the success where you want to come, like you said with Waldrop. If you're Waldrop, I know you probably wanted to go higher, but you also are thrilled that you're in a successful organization that really develops pitchers. And by the way, when we talk about guys moving fast, the Braves are fearless when it comes to that. AJ Smith Schauver, a high school pitcher from the 21 class, how many teams have taken college starters? In the first round in 21, they're like, not ready yet. The Braves are like, nah, move them up. Spencer Strider, Spencer Strider's college career was about that long because of Tommy John. They looked at him and said, this guy's stuff is good. Let's send him to the big leagues. They've benefited from it. All right, let's move to the Yankees. They picked a shortstop just now. George, George Lombard Jr. George Lombard Jr. Man, I'm old. I am We knew that decrepit. before the draft. I was covering the Macon Braves 1995, and they had two center field prospects on that team, two of the best prospects in the organization. One was Andrew Jones. He was 17. The other was George Lombard Sr., who I think was 18, who was, who was supposed to be at Georgia as their new running back star. And he got shipped out, by the way, because Ray Goff, the then Georgia coach, was there in June sitting right behind home plate. And they shipped the, the Braves shipped Lombard out the next day. Like we're not going to give him a chance to uh, bring him back. Yeah, George. That's how old I am. George Lombard and I went on a recruiting trip to Georgia together. No way! Wow. Yeah, you're that old. Yeah, it's a good thing you got out of the game and you're not coaching because you look tremendous. Good thing. Good point. Yeah. Well, the be- the best way to just shatter your face is to coach wrinkles like like, being president yeah you want to age fast i don't know if anyone does but we don't have a sponsor for that but hey if you want to age fast (laughs) coach in the big leagues especially a shitty team not 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 a compelling pitch i I don't know if i'd buy that didn't work oh yeah 
By the way, they don't pay shit, and you get told to do everything. And if anything goes wrong, it's your fault. Or, wait, or the hitting coach's fault. Because the Yankees have let go. Dylan Lawson. Brian Cashman has never fired a coach in season. And this is from Brian Hoke on Twitter. He goes, he once told me he doesn't believe in doing so, that you need to evaluate each season in full. Clearly, he'd seen enough. And I believe Cash has been their GM for like 26 years, something along those lines. It's a long time to stick with something and then go, yeah, Jamison Tyon with his six-something ERA shutting us out just because we don't have Judge. Something's got to change. And I wonder for draft purposes, because Volpe was such a big pick for them. And yes, he's been up and down in his rookie season, but he's hitting better with the tweaked stance. People want to point to something like that. Hey, are the hitting coaches helping him? Are they hurting him? You know, he's toned down the leg kick, right? And gotten a little simpler with his swing. Is that him getting advice from his minor league teammate over chicken farm dinner and them going, why weren't you at the dinner? And now you're out. Yeah. Yes, like where were you head. on this one? Where were you on that one, Dylan? Like, I'm not saying it's his fault. Obviously the team is playing incredibly poorly at the dish, but if you're getting minor leaguers helping your big league guys, and it's not something that you figured out and you actually went away from what you're preaching, the leg kick, the, the launch angle stuff, obviously all those things did not help Volpe make the adjustment quick enough because that's what it is in the big leagues. You're good enough to be there. That's why you're on the team. But if they didn't help him, if Dylan didn't help him, Volpe may have single-handedly gotten Dylan fired. No, come on. Come on. That's, that's harsh. That's so hard. Here's the thing with the hitting. They're not hitting also. Just their whole team. No. But he's a scapegoat. Of course. He's a but pressure Dylan release Lawson, valve. Dylan Lawson, I'm sure he's telling these guys the yeah. same stuff. It's not like he doesn't know. I mean, I don't know Dylan Austin. He knows what he's doing. I know, I know Dylan. Dylan. He knows what he's doing. I don't know him from that D- Derek Jeter bobblehead on the set here, right? He, but he's. I'm sure he knows hitting. And I'm sure he's he telling Anthony Volpe, try something different. But because the chicken farm story takes over... And people are like, oh, Dylan Dawson's not doing his job. Bullshit. I, I really do believe the hitting coach. I remember Dylan. I know Dylan a little bit. I'm not saying like we're best buds, but he was at University of Missouri years ago. Come up, come up through the levels. And I do believe that hitting coach is probably the worst job in pro baseball. And I say that because what you're talking about there, there's also the part of everyone who reaches the majors at this point probably has someone personal that they work with. You're a collaborator as a hitting coach. You're not going there. This is not Charlie Lau to go to make, to to age myself again, where you're like, no, 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 everyone's going to hit like this. You suggest to Aaron Judge, maybe you want to look at this. (laughs) You don't tell Aaron Judge what you're going to do. You don't even tell Anthony Volpe. He may be a rookie, but you suggest things, try to make the help them feel positive about themselves, things like that. But but the hitting coach is the perfect person to fire. To be the first person to get fired in the middle of the season. That's, you, that's tough. It is tough. We used to have a saying, and I think Krauts will back me up. Hitting coaches did their job not at the field. It was after the games 
at the hotel bar or wherever on the bus or before the games if you have breakfast or you run into somebody because that was when you gave your guys confidence. There are guys struggling. You see a guy, you have a beer with them, and you say, you're good. It's more of a mental job than it is actual physical. Yes, there are physical things, but mentally you have to check in. We know your guys. So now does Brad Wilkerson take over? He was in college this year. I don't don't know if he takes over or not, but I completely agree with you. Think about your worst hitting coaches in your entire career. They probably had no idea what was going on in your life. Kevin Seitzer? Did I say that out loud? You did say that. People have been waiting for more on that story. (laughs) Braves country has been waiting for more on that story. You're, you're He's doing it now. Now is not the place. Now is not the place, but I'm just letting you know because we like to be clear and transparent with the people. A lot of people are asking, so I'm just putting it on your radar at some point. Your Braves fans are like, I'm intrigued. You're teasing us. I'd like to hear more if you're serious about it. Just putting it out there. At some point. Okay, fair. And I will, and I will kick back to a little bit of what you said, like Dylan Lawson worked his way up. He came into the Yankees system. And was the hitting coordinator. He didn't work his way up. And then he went big league. So that, that's a it's rare. Not, not, you're right. It's not like he went low A to high A to double right. A to triple A. That's a rare thing that's happened in the last five years in baseball is people create something and they sell it to organizations. And then they're like, all right, we're all going to do this. And it's like there's there's not that. There's not that like long track record of anything, so I wonder if that kind of went into it for Cashman. Like he hadn't had any track record before of bringing a team out of this, or if it was something from higher than Cashman that was forcing it. I, I go back to pressure relief valve. The Yankees had to do something, right? They can't magically make Aaron Judge healthy. They don't want to say, okay, we're going to fire the manager to show that we're unhappy with where we are. They can't demote half the team. The easiest thing you can do, this shows, that's right at the All-Star break. They have shown we're taking this seriously. And now, if they turn it around, we can hear all the stories about how that was the moment (laughs) that Cashman or take your pick of whoever acted decisively to turn the season around. Or if it doesn't work, it's just, well, they tried. So there's something, there's more danger to not doing anything if you're others in the Yankees organization than doing something. So we yeah, had it's easier than trading for a player. Try your hitting coach. Well, we had this conversation about GMs and Cashman's in there forever. Oh, well, I tried, right? Oh, we want to rebuild. Wait till my guys get there. We're on a 12 year plan. So I don't get fired. Wait till my 12 year plan, right? Well, Cashman's like, there's got to be heat from Hal Steinbrenner saying, what the hell's going on? We're, we can't I'm hit. Sure. We only lost one guy, Judge, and we can't hit. So he's saying, all right, well, here's my pressure release valve. I'm going to fire the hitting coach. And it buys him buys Cashman time to try something to get maybe to the trade deadline. I, mean, I don't know who they're going to trade for. But the most, uh, coming, they have Rodon's guys. back. Verdon's coming. Verdon's back. No, but they need they need all. I mean, this is what the conversation's about. They need offense. Of Why course. can't they hit besides Aaron Judge and without Aaron Judge? 
Like, you have a massive payroll. What the hell is everyone else doing? Why is there no fear in the rest of the lineup, right? An outfielder for sure, because there's been games where it's Jake Bowers, it's Willie Calhoun, who else? It's uh, McKinney. Like, that's that's not what you want as your May lineup at times, right? Although, I know some of them have had success, but let's be real. Aaron Hicks is doing just fine. Aaron Hicks is doing fine, and that's another piece (laughs) of the puzzle of why we're talking about the hitting coach being let go. Josh Donaldson. I saw a tweet Josh today. Donaldson's not doing shit, but guess no, listen, what? He's going to go saw, somewhere else, and he's going to hit. tweet today. Josh Donaldson has 10 homers, 19 hits. The if least. he went 162 games, he'd hit 62 homers. But he'd, all, and he'd, and he'd slug, like, super high, but his o, uh, OPS plus would be under 100. Under 100, yeah. So which what is it? Do you want him to hit 62 homers but have a 90 OPS plus? I think if it's 60 homers, which means that he's hitting a home run every, what, two and a half games, you'll take a guy that's not getting on base that often. If it's 60, that's a different level if he's on a pace like that. Okay. Otherwise, though, if his back cools in terms of power and he's not getting on base, Yankees fans, they are looking for a scapegoat because there's terrible offense being put in place. I'll give you one comment here in the chat right now from Jackson, who's a regular. What? Is it going to be Esteban Floriel? It's not. Okay. Although that was definitely a question asked the other day because they said he's part of the reason was he's not on the 40 man right now, which again, I'm like, that's your reason though? Oh, it's totally a reason. You're protecting your 40 man? We need offense. They lose lose somebody. You lose somebody and when you take somebody off the 40 man, that is, oh, our precious 40 man spots. What about winning? The 40th guy on a roster, is you're it? fine switching him in and out. His name is Naga. Not going to be here very long. <laughs> or not going to matter. <laughs> Let me ask you guys this. Jackson said, Lawson said he doesn't believe in stats, which infuriated the fan base. Now, I don't, I don't know that quote directly. A little I'm bit. going to guess there's no hitting coaches in the bigs right now that are allowed to pull off a quote no. like that. Now, they might. Sorry. Down play going too crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll save AJ here. I know Dylan Lawson. Sorry, Jackson. He does believe in stats. If he actually said that, if that was his words, he was trolling the fans, and I love that by him <laughs> because he believes in stats. I know Dylan Lawson about this much, a little bit more than JJ does. He does believe in stats. I want to take us in a different direction now to one of our bigger picture topics that I'm super curious to get JJ's take from. So you can't trade picks. You can trade some comp picks, but you can't generally trade your draft picks. And it's something that I get. I always try and bring like a casual fan perspective. I get asked about that a lot. So, for example, the Seattle Mariners have the 29th pick, right, in this draft? Yes. Because the... So there's only 28. We actually just finished. Round one is actually done now. Bryce Matthews just got taken by the Houston Astros. And there's only 28, even though there's 30 teams. The Mets got docked 10 picks because they spend too much money. The Dodgers got docked. They They tried. The were trying. You get punished. You get punished for trying. The Dodgers, they're down to 36. But the Mariners have back-to-back picks at 29 and 30. 30 is a comp pick, which they can trade. They didn't trade it. But, J.J., how cool would it be if we're at this point in the season right now, right in the thick of things, 
And a team like the Yankees could say, let's add a little push here. We'll put our first round pick in a deal to help us get Cody Bellinger right now. Or flip it. I'm the Dodgers. I don't get to pick till 36. And they do a great job of selecting later and still finding great players. I want to I want to get myself into the top five no matter what. I might trade one of my upper echelon prospects just because I love Wyatt Lankford so much. I'm throwing a name out there. Just so my fans one time can get a top five pick. How cool would that be to follow storyline-wise? Okay, let me ask for the alternate version of that. What if you were the owner of a team that has no interest in winning right now, that is tanking your fan base right now? To the Oakland A's. Let's say the Oakland A's. Yeah. That sounds like a good thing. And if you said, hey, I'm going to trade my first-round pick. I'm going to trade my second-round pick because it's going to mean I don't have to spend five, six million dollars, a check, bonus, you know. So not over the life of a deal, money that I've spent up front. And I'll do it for an up-and-coming prospect who's not actually coming or whatever. Like, I mean, I, I, I hate to be devious about it, but, like, I think part of the reason they haven't allowed it is because they fear that not everyone will deal with it on the up and up. True, but they have to spend the money anyways, don't they? Don't if the you teams trade the have picks, to you spend don't. the money in a draft? He said no, no, no. Once the, the pick. pick goes away, the money goes away. Oh, it does. So that, that's how the slot oh. money works. Like the Mariners, for the Julio Rodriguez situation, for example, because Julio was called up right from the jump, one rookie of the year, Mariners get that extra pick which is 29, right? That's the 29 pick. And they get two point something million dollars in slot money to use. They trade that pick away, the money goes with it. So you can trade all of that away if you want. To. So you could take your, from you've got 10 mil to spend and you could turn that into four mil to spend. And you could talk about, well, we added a nice useful reliever <laughs> who the other team covered the cost of. He's gonna help our bullpen. And by the way, they're they're willing to pay because the Braves did this one year, if you do remember. The D-backs, I mean, they did it legally, but the D-backs wanted to clear money. And so the Braves traded effectively nothing, right? To take on an injured player, an injured pitcher. I'm trying Was to that Tuki Toussaint you're talking about? Yeah, Tuki. And then they bought the D-backs first round pick, Tuki Toussaint, to do that. It happened that was again. On that team. Wait, wait, wait. On that team. Wait, wait like this John happened Coppolello? again, though. What? Was that John Coppolello? Was he the GM at that yes. time? Yes. Okay. John Hart? No, not It was Coppolello, and uh, you know who was running the D-backs at the time? I believe it was Dave Stewart. Dave Stewart. John Hart and John Coppolello. Yeah, yeah sure. for the Braves. Wait, but there's that another really... one. We can even fast forward. There's one we're missing. The Angels and Giants made a deal same exact way. Will Wilson. They got rid of the prospect for money, right? Wasn't that the same scenario? Similar scenario, I would say that by the time Will Wilson was traded, some of the shine had already come on, I, I felt like. Where it was Never like, sometimes you see Colin Moran was traded by the Marlins, and I think what it was is they brought him in, sixth pick in the draft, if I remember right, and they brought him in and they kind of came away going, we, we took him six, right? And so they spun him as quick as they could, like, okay, we feel like his value's here now, 
And if we wait a year, it might be here, which we see every now and then. They and just did that again, J.J. Bladé. Hitching his swing, hasn't figured it out, has to do a retool. He'll probably shine with, like, the Dodgers or Astros at some point. But until that happens, right, J.J. Bladé has been a huge fail of a draft pick right now. And when you get when you trade him away and get something for him, it helps lower the temperature on that because you traded him. Oh, we didn't turn Puck. out, but we traded him. They got AJ Puck. Yeah, and that's worked out great for them. AJ yeah. Puck's their closer. Didn't that happen to Dansby Swanson? He was legit though. No, didn't they but, trade him and then they had to wait till June for him to leave? Yeah, Trey Turner. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Trey good. knew he was traded. That was so weird. They uh, got rid of that. That was too much. Trey is sitting in the minors the the on the Padres. He knows he's gone. That's what I was thinking of. It was and it's, it's, it's weird on many fronts because now you have a team nope. taking care of a player who you already know is gone because he was a player to be named later, right? Right. He was a player to be named later, but he couldn't be traded. Pete Cavillia rule. He couldn't be traded until one year after, and he was traded six months after he was signed. And so I remember talking to him in spring training that year, and he's like, yeah, I'm kind of here, but I'm kind of there. Cause... <laughs> and my thing is just you should be allowed to trade the player. Who cares? He has to wait a year. My counter to what you're saying is who cares? If there's a team that's that fucked up, they're always – just like teams are going to always look for an edge, the owners that care most about profits are always going to look for the edge on making money and let us shit on them for doing something like that. You know what I'm saying? Like – I'd still take those cases to be able to have conversations right now about teams utilizing draft picks to get better or utilizing draft picks to get other prospects so that other teams can pick higher in the draft. That is good conversation. That's good for the sport. And we have the uniqueness of doing a draft in the middle of a season where your draft can impact how the rest of the season plays out. That's cool. I'm not, I'm not entirely against it because – it would be kind of cool to see it become part of the trade deadline. Yeah. We have a July draft now, not an early June. If the start of the trade deadline was teams cashing in veterans that are on the final year of their deal to pick up a pick here or there, that does add some interest. Even if a team is trying to get rid of money and that's how they're doing that deal, right? If a team's trying to get rid of a player that they've got signed for a lot of money and they don't want them anymore and there's picks being involved it's still activity and i've read a few articles about it this week and it seems like obviously people aren't going to put their name on a quote right jj but front office members have said many of them i'm into that right it's it's more options for them and the ones that are doing things well can utilize that as another way to make trades and it seems like, and I haven't spoken to anyone, you know, we're at the player's house, but at some point we can try and ask someone either with the union or other players. I think players are into it too, like the union in general, right? It can, it can create more activity. It can get some of those trades done or players over to other teams quicker. So I think there's a lot of pluses to adding something like this. And MLB should seriously consider it because way more people would watch the draft. No. It would also happen. slow the draft. It's just not going to happen. Why? Because it won't do it. I think it could happen. I, I do won't. not think it's that far-fetched to be able to negotiate that at some point. Go back to what he said at the very beginning. That owner's tanking can prevent it? I don't think they trust each other. Yes, exactly. If, if you think if you Fisher can't trust, trust 
Yeah, but we still have Artie Moreno. We're not in a permanent lockout right now, so we're still playing. Yeah, but they don't trust they, they don't trust each other enough to say this player, this player, this player. It's, yeah, they don't. They but don't. there is one other thing with that when you talk about that. Okay. Imagine a year where there is a Adley Rushman, a Bryce Harper. I think MLB is scared of a Dodgers, a Yankees effectively buying the number one prospect because they could throw enough money. Because the thing about it is, is we're talking about this as pure baseball deals. There are other deals out there where you could say, hey, terrible team who's picking number one, we will buy out your worst contract for the number one pick. I'm True. To pick. I'm not trying to pick on the Rockies, but maybe I am. If someone Chris said Bryant. they would take Chris Bryant's contract right now for the number one pick, I think the Rockies would probably do that. What about the Nationals? Strasburg. Well, if, Nationals. if we're just making all like if we're making all kinds of scenarios, then also obviously my dream is to have a floor so that teams have to spend a certain amount or you have to spend a certain percentage but, of something. But if you don't get that with this, then you are talking about a potentially. That would be bad for MLB and the draft if it was looked like the teams that have resources, the teams that are willing to spin. Let's not even say they have resources, but willing to spin could buy the number one pick. Yeah, but how far do we want to go here? Like, yes, teams already take PR hits like that. Think about it. I mean, there is a ball club that still has to sell to their fans. I'm getting rid of the number one pick to get rid of a contract. People don't, people don't pay that much attention. Yes, they do. They Certain ones do. Talk to Pirates fans. I know the Pirates are playing a little better right now, right? But talk to them about how they feel about how the team is run, not from a GM perspective, from a financial perspective. They all talk the same way. I mean, the most popular thing to do is to find Bob Nutting in the city, to, and like there'll be like a 12-year-old taking a picture with him and like putting his middle finger up, and then they put it on the internet, and it goes viral because fans hate it. Like, that, that does matter. What? It's, it's it real. Look it up. It does, but... The draft pick things, because for more, more uh, not more often than not, but more than any other sport, baseball draft picks don't work out all the time. NBA, NFL, they usually work out. I don't know what the – JJ could probably give us better numbers on that, but the rate of guys hitting in MLB in the first round is much less than other sports. The other thing I would say, though, that ties into this is it's a steep slope. I'm not saying every number one pick works out, but most number one picks work out in some way. By the time – this is the NBA drafts this way, I'll too. I'll raise you Brady Appel or Mark Appel, sorry. Mark Appel. Okay. But there aren't many of those. Whereas if you, And that's true of the NBA draft, too. By the time you get to pick 20 in the NBA draft, it feels like it's like, hey, did anyone want this? We don't, we don't, you know, we don't think he's going <laughs> Whereas, but in the MLB draft, by the time you get to pick 20, your chances are way less. Well, maybe, unless you're the Dodgers. If you're the Dodgers that, and you take them 26, it's Walker Bueller, it's Will Smith, it's, we could go through the list. So what's better? Teams who pick higher or teams who develop players? Ideally, you want both, but the Dodgers are the team that the, are the gold standard 
But the Braves were good. But the Dodgers, the Dodgers have spent the least amount of money. Them and the Angels have spent the least amount of money in the draft, 2012 to present. The Dodgers have produced more MLB pitchers over that time than any other team. The Dodgers are top five in the hitters they've produced as far as total production. They're top 10 as far as pitchers. They've done that while picking at the back of the first round every year forever and forever. I would rather have the team that can develop. Yep. I want to develop. I'll take the player, whoever the player is, say we pick JJ. And he has certain tool. We can develop him to be a big leaguer. Not a team that can just spend. You have to have the development. And that's what separates the good teams, the Dodgers. Absolutely. Probably the Rays from the other teams. But the other we, thing I'll say about that, though, is some teams do a really good job of knowing what they're good at. And other teams don't. The worst example ever I can think of, which is four front office regimes ago or five. But I remember not long after I started at Baseball America. And the Orioles took, I'm blanking on the name now, but an outfielder, a smaller school college outfielder, top three, top four rounds. And we talked to their scouting department about him. And they were like, we think he has all the tools to develop into a really good catcher. He doesn't move all that great, but he's got a good arm. He's really smart. He can hit. He's going to be a good catcher. He's a conversion guy. He caught a little bit, if I remember, in college, but mainly an outfit. Then we talked to their player development side, and we said, so how is he developing as a catcher? And they said, he's not a catcher, he's an outfielder. There was such a disconnect there that one side picked a guy <laughs> because they thought he could do this, and then they handed him to the other department, and that department said, no, we're not going to do that, we're going to do it our way. That's the difference between, like you're saying, I, I think – the good organizations, they're all working together on that. In the bad organizations, everyone's their own island, and everyone's fighting for territory, and that's where you get a lot of dysfunction. Even that's some, the Orioles. Uh, even, some the big time, even some big-time teams. Some big-time teams. Analytically, they look at the baseball guys and they say, you're terrible. Baseball guys look at the analytic guys and say, you're terrible, and they're just two separate. And to me, that's why I think development is more important than what happens here. And I love what you said about what is the kind of player that we want. If the Braves say, oh, we want Georgia guys, there's something in, like, what is it about the Georgia guy? But once they're in the organization, you have to develop them in their way. It's kind of coming back to bite the Cardinals. The Cardinal way right now produced a lot of players that would come up, but not a lot of superstars. So, my yeah, I don't know. Cardinals done a good job of drafting and developing pitchers, though, recently. I would Guardians. say they have starting pitchers, not relievers. Yeah, starting pitchers. But is that going to continue with Yadi gone? Because I saw... I saw a decline in the pitchers that they've started calling up from the beginning of my career to the end of my career in the sense of they used to call up guys that were guaranteed you had to throw a strike with two pitches and your third pitch had to at least be a competitive pitch. 
but there's two pitches you had to throw strikes. You had to be a one, two, five to the plate to get called up to the big leagues. That started deteriorating. And now, like, is that going to change with Yadier Molina not reigning the helm? We'll see. I, I mean, so far, the results seem to indicate maybe not. JJ, Yo Yo Morales, still on the board. He was a consensus top 15 pick a lot of places. Why is he still there? Guy from Miami is hit, can play third. I was sorry to change the subject. No. Isn't that who Seifert talked about? Yes. Yeah. And said he should have been picked early, early. on in his top line. Top 10. One of our college experts, David Seifert, was on. Yeah. He said top 10. Yeah. Two possibilities. One, there have been some questions with the bat, but that's the main one. Right? Some guys are not going to go yet, or some guys might not even go today because we see it. There's, there's some guys who are being pushed down for whatever reason, which is almost always financial. Or there's a third possibility, and I'm not going to speculate with him, but every year there's one or two guys, we don't get the medicals. You know, I'm not saying he is. I don't want to make clear. I'm not saying he has a bad medical, but there's one or two guys every year where you go, why did he fall? And then it comes out after the draft that there was concerns about medical. But usually it's, 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 if we were sitting here this time yes, last year talking, we'd say, well, why is Brock Porter still on the board? I know it was a high school guy versus college, but why is Brock Porter on the board? Because the Rangers were going to make him paid on day two. And basically he was floating a number to everyone else to push himself down to that pick. Doesn't always work. Jay Groom was floating that number and was basically supposed to go to the Padres, and then the Red Sox the called Red Sox. the bluff. They said, talent's the talent. We're going to take them. We'll give them the offer. Are you really going to turn it down? And he didn't. I love that game. That game is cool. I'm going to try and sneak myself to a certain team and see if I can pull it off. But then it's like, are you going to turn down millions of dollars? Are you going back to school? Are you not going to play in the bigs right now? Most dudes probably in the first 40 picks would have a hard time saying, eh, I'm good. I'm not going to take the dough. I've heard, I've heard tons of stories like that. The whole, like, I'm going to take this much. Andy LaRoche, I don't remember, remember him. The Dodgers selected him when it was draft and follows. He went and played in the Cape, and he was, like, as a Juco guy, and he goes, he goes, I'm not signing for anything less than a million dollars. Their first offer was like 600000 and I'm probably getting this right. So Was he Dave, a first-round pick? No, this later was, on. Yeah. And he said a million dollars. Well, Dave, his dad, ex-big leaguer, 15 years, was kind of walking through it with him, and he goes, the Dodgers came to him after his year in the Cape, right before the draft and follow deadline ended, and they go, we'll give you a million dollars. He's like, I mean, he had played himself into being a first-rounder for the next year. And his dad goes, you said you would play for a million dollars. You told him that. you got to be a man of your word. And he signed. That's awesome. I, I, so I, I heard the that, opposite story of a guy. Not Little Roach, but another guy. He was a high school kid. And he didn't understand how it really went. He wanted to go to college. And so he thought that he would float a number that would make sure he went to college. And it's like... I am not going to sign unless someone gives me, it was like a million dollars. And like seven teams got back to him and said, great, we'll be looking to take you. And then he had to call a scout that he knew and be like, actually, I want to go to school. 
I thought that a million dollars would be enough <laughs> to, to basically. Did he come up sure. with this on his own? Does he have a rep, this kid? No, or did he have a rep? rep. Well, he that's like why. This. He goes, one million dollars. <laughs> they were like, all right, cool. So this was Dr. Evil. Nothing. Yeah. Well, you know, we had multiple draft conversations. Remember who was on with with me for Ross Stripling? Were either of you on or were you both out? Yeah, I was there. You what? When Ross was on last night? You were there? We were both Remember Ross was like, I had no idea how the draft process worked. Zero clue. And he was drafted in like the ninth round or something. He was like, I'm going back to get my finance degree. Yeah. And then he got picked like fifth round or something like that after that. But he was saying, and obviously – you know, it's different if you're not a first rounder, or first few uh, few rounds. But he was basically saying, like, he had no clue. He had no one to ask about. He just got a random phone call. It was interesting. What about – no, go ahead. I, I was going to ask you guys. That's one of the things that's also dramatically changed in my mind. When you guys were drafted, what was it like? Because I feel like it, back then it was like you would get a call from someone. It wasn't like – Oh, the, the name came across a scroll. There you was know. none of this. No. I mean, what was it like for you? Because my story is in the book, so you guys got to buy the book. Towel, the backup catcher. I don't get a free book? No, not you. Oh. People who are listening. Oh. Yeah, don't give it away yet. Don't give it away. I'm not buying a book. I am. You're buying a book? Hell yes. that? I'm getting no. a free book. No. No, I'm helping no. the boys out. I'm definitely buying a book. I'm helping the boys no, out. No, no. I'm you buying a book anyway. somebody else. Even for a gift, I'm buying a book. We buy some of it. Sorry to sidetrack, but we've had some writers on and we buy their books. I'm definitely buying Kratz's book. I'm not buying Kratz's book. Okay, well, me a book. Guess what? Best thing, best thing ever. Because I know I haven't been there in a while, but I'm usually in Orlando at AJ's spot. I'm buying. You can get a, a book from Kratz, but I'm still going to replace it. I'm buying a book on the site and I'm putting it on the damn desk. And I'm getting Kratz to sign it so we know which book it is that I actually bought. And that's the one we're using at Studio AJ. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> tell your anyway. draft story. Back, back. Oh, that, was an absolute, that was an absolute flex. Charlie Soto, another Orlando guy. My he was actually after, just talked about, sorry story, to sidetrack. but our, I want to know about McGonagall. Anyway, go ahead. When I was drafted, this is 94, so almost Black and white TVs. Ago. Yes. There was no, like, internet. You just sat by the phone hoping your team called you. The phone rings. You're like, nobody call. Nobody call my house for like next two hours because I don't have call waiting. People that don't know what call waiting is. Yes. Sorry. Ask somebody. Yes. You get the busy signal. Nobody knows. What Scott, does, Scott doesn't know what a busy signal is. So I don't know what what is. Busy signal. <laughs> No, because everyone picks up for me, and they make sure that they're not on the phone with someone else. He doesn't else. know what busy is. He I know, know what a busy, busy signal is. Okay. How young do you think I am? I'm not you're as young, young as you think. Like I'm in my mid-30s. So I get a call on the cordless phone that was like this big. He was rich. He had a cordless Did phone. Did you have to pull out the, the antenna? Oh, we had a the cord. antenna. <laughs> Answer, it was the twins. Never saw a twins guy. Never saw a twin scout. Nothing. Yeah, it's the twins. We drafted you third round. 70th overall or whatever it was. We'll be in touch. Click. That, that was it. And then about a couple days later, the scout showed up at my house. So we're going to offer you this. What do you want? And there was no anything. But it was, I thought, Kratz asked me this earlier. I thought I was going to go higher. I thought I was going to go in the first round. Um, but I didn't. But you don't know because the timing, and there was no TV. There was no MLB network. There was no foul territory. There was no timing. 
So you're trying to guess where they are in the draft. You're like, okay, it's been it's been 45 minutes. They're at pick 18. You have no idea. So you're just hoping when the guy calls that you're right. It was just so different. The okay. different. Go ahead. Go ahead. Along those lines, when I started Baseball America in 2002, the computer I worked on was bought because of MLB secrecy. So a little after you were drafted, MLB put a complete blackout on where players were picked after, I think, the first round. So they would say, well, it was a stretch of years where they would say, here are our picks. But they wouldn't tell anyone for two months what rounds they went in. I remember that. And then they hit their signing bonuses, too. So they could try to lower signing bonuses. And they said to keep college recruiters from lining up boards based on that. <laughs> and so Alan Simpson, to his credit, founder of Baseball America, he had sources everywhere. And so he could buy the date, the end of the draft. He had giant boards. And he's like, okay, I've got this, this, these picks. Okay, I've got these picks. And then he would fax the draft to you if you paid for the draft facts. And the money raised from that, we, before that we had one computer at Baseball America, but that bought computers for everyone because MLB wanted to keep the draft secret. Now this is also, this is, this is in the late 90s. Mel Kuyper had been talking about the MLB, I mean, the NFL draft on ESPN for 15 years at this point. And MLB was like, we don't want anyone to know who's been picked with. That is insane. It's like part of how Baseball America was born, right? Yeah. It's part of its history. MLB's, it's basically collusion, right? Or, or holding back information that should be known helped spark a business. So at least they told you where you were picked. Well, when they called me, they had to. They're like, we picked you here. That is wild. But here, so well, think see, about this. Th think about this. The draft used to be in June, which I wish mm -hmm. it still was because of numerous reasons. But they didn't want to interfere with the they don't want to interfere with the World Series and the whole deal. But now guys can't play this year, a lot of them, right? So they also get an extra year of control between the 40 man and the whole deal. The thing is, you would get drafted, like for me, and my son asked me this the other day, he said, When you were drafted, how did it work with college? And I said, well, you had until like August 1st, the first day so of school. Had, first day of school. Yep. No, you had not just the first day of school. It was until you walked your foot into the class. across the door into, the first into class. your first class. Yes. Yep. So, so players would wait through drop ad and they wouldn't go until the last day of drop ad because you were still eligible to sign even though your school's classes had begun. It did not you are no longer eligible the minute that your body crossed through the door of a classroom for the first time. Yeah, it's crazy. I tried to explain this to my son. He's like, what? And I said, you had to walk into class. So you, wherever you were going to school, you had to walk. Once you walk into class, you were done. You had three years. There was no transferring. There was none of that. You were going to your school. But it was crazy to think how much has changed. Because now everything, pre-draft deals. Think about agents now. They do all this stuff, and it's all pre-draft stuff. They, they already know. Teams, we've talked about it. Teams pick guys based on what they'll sign for. They'll call you. 
And I know guys, they call you and say, will you sign for a million dollars? You say yes, they're picking you. Now, this isn't in the first round, but fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round. You have to know your number. If, if I could give one piece of advice to players who, not they're not going to get picked today, but get picked tomorrow, get picked on day three, you have to know what is that number at which I will sign and what is a number at which I won't. Because what you said, they're not calling you to spend 10 minutes on the phone with you and get your life story and negotiate. It sometimes is, we like you. Will you take 552K at this pick? Yes or no? Yes, we take you. No, we don't. Actually, I should say, yes, maybe they take you. No, they don't. Because someone else, some other scout is calling someone else and also saying, well, you take 552K at this pick. And maybe they don't think that player is going to be there, but he is. Maybe you do get still bumped. But if you say no, they're going down You're the out. line. All right, so I want to mix in some questions, and we'll have one or two more guests um, to finish out the night. And I don't know how to say his last name, so I'll have to ask him when he's on. Steven. No, 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 no. I'm talking about <laughs> one of our guests. <laughs> Thank you, AJ. Classic AJ line. Shock. Did I get it right? Steven Shock is going to join us in about, what, 15 minutes or so? Or less than that, maybe five to ten donkey. minutes. What? Let's call, him, let's call him Big Donkey. Big Donkey, yes. Is he a BA guy? He's a, no, he's a former Virginia pitcher. I think he does some stuff podcasting for, for D1. You remember him? He was the guy that talked about how oh. Dippin' Dots are awesome. Dippin' Dots? Yeah, he's awesome. long hair? Yeah. He's awesome. I'll get to my draft story because AJ and I are the same store, same age, but somehow he was drafted eight years before I was. <laughs> I had no idea he was drafted in the early 90s. I was drafted in 2002, and I sat in my college SID. Eric Warner, Eric Varner was his name, and I sat in the SID's office, and I heard him say – Redraft number, nine eight three six four five. Redraft number, draft number, Blue Jays. And I had no idea what round I was drafted in. I knew we were in like the late 20s. So I left a note on my college coach's door because he had gotten sick of it, didn't want to listen to it. And I said I was drafted in the 28th round. And I was really drafted in the 29th round. I drove home half a mile from the college campus to my house and I missed the call from my from my uh, scout Chip Lawrence and I sat there and I'm like is this bad like he just said hey we drafted you you know give me a call when you get this and my thought was I missed this call I'm not actually going to play now but fortunately I called him back it worked out. It worked out. It worked out. The other thing back then, though, that was crazy, if someone's not as ancient as me, is it used to be you could draft for as long as you wanted. Oh, yeah, Yankees, more rounds. The Yankees Dude. went 100 rounds. It used to be it was 50, and teams would stop, but other teams would keep picking. There was a year the White Sox picked a, a woman, a girl. Yeah, no, multiple times. It was times. a multiple times. daughter. It was uh, it was, uh, the GM of the scouting director's daughter. Ron Schuller's daughter. Yeah. They drafted her. 
Yeah, but there was but and I would I never understood why teams didn't do it more. Because if it was me when you had the draft and follow, why would you just take why everybody would you just keep taking everyone and then that one guy pops in a JUCO and you're like, Oh yeah, he was our two hundred and forty second rounder. We'll negotiate <laughs> with him. You got a good point. It was so different though. If you could, Draft and follows. They don't really. Ha- they don't have those anymore. Because teams would get you, and they would have your rights till the next draft. Yeah. Right. So I remember, yeah. Kratz and I obviously have a different story. But I remember when I was coming out of high school, I had JUCOs calling me saying, "Come play for us. We'll save a spot for you. If you're not drafted where you want to sign, come play for us for a year." And they, multiple JUCOs would say, "Hey, come here." They would save spots, and I was like, "Okay, maybe." Because once you went to college, you were locked in for three years. That was out. JUCO, you can come back every draft and follow, and they get drafted. If you said no on the money that week, you could get the money the next week. That's right. Nick Markakis, you know, there were guys who would go to JUCO. Adam Lowen, who would go to JUCO, and then it's either you get the draft and follow money, or you go right back in the draft a week later. Again. Remember Bobby C and yeah. uh, the other guy? The loophole free agents. Became free agents, guys, because they weren't offered a contract. Well, well, they showed same. what guys could actually make in if it was free. Yeah. Who was the other? It was Bobby C. $10 million that guy made. White? Gar- not uh, White. White? Uh, Lee. Uh, not, uh, it was oh, the first baseman. Travis Lee. Travis Lee. Travis Lee did it. And then uh, there was another pitcher, got White. Matt White, Matt White, Matt White, who was uh, we had him on our cover in a in a beach like on the beach for in Ray's Garb. I have a question for you. Well, I have two questions. For you. One, Matt White, wasn't he the guy whose grandmother had the land that was worth like twelve billion dollars because oh, it had it. some mineral on it that they could yes. find somewhere, which is awesome. And then Baseball America screwed R.A. Dickey, R. A. Dickey. with his we didn't elbow. Even know. We weren't trying to screw him. We screwed <laughs> him, but we weren't trying to. We just took a picture of him. And then someone noticed that he was holding his arm weird. They did they did a medical on him, and they realized he didn't have a UCL. Because the picture came out? No, he because was standing. His arm didn't go straight. It was bent. Right, like all of ours. So they had the five the five starting Benson, pitchers for USA Baseball Koch, on the cover. Billy and R.A., RA, how he held his arm was different than the other four. And a doctor saw that picture and went, let's look at that closer. And they discovered he didn't have a UCL. We cost him like, I mean, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Again, we, we didn't mean to. We were really sorry about that. It worked out for all right. <laughs> yeah, because he was Rangers. He was the first round. He was going to be Rangers. like 500, 600,000, which was a lot then. And yep. they signed him for like, they're like, by the way, you don't have UCL? Here's 50 grand. Go get him. Who was the pitcher? You would remember this. First rounder for the Padres. Got a medical. And his like million dollar bonus went down to two hundred fifty thousand, but then he ended up marrying the owner's daughter. From the was project. that Stoffer? Stoffer, thank you. Yes, Tim Stoffer. Tim Stoffer. Tim Stoffer totally worked out. <laughs> Nailed it. Got way more than <laughs> the extra seven hundred fifty thousand. I want to mix in some questions, and JJ, we put this out there. If you want to give it a retweet to your fans to answer anything live, just throwing it out there. Um, that's how we'll kind of finish things up. So working on getting Steven Schock to join us. And then we will finish up with some questions in the YouTube chat. There's a few right now. So 
let's start with Raphael. Will any of these two-way draft picks, like Bryce Eldridge, get a legitimate chance of being a two-way player in any of the organizations? Are we seeing... You're shaking your head, Fatsy, but are we ever going to see teams giving a shot to a non-Shohei Otani type of talent? Like <laughs> Brendan McKay, right? He gone. Well, he's hurt, right? Is Brendan still out? That's part of the gone part. Because the <laughs> player gets hurt and they can't handle doing both jobs? JJ's itching to go. I am. I'm itching to go on this because I think that the best hope is for a guy who's like, who is a late-round pick, not a first-round pick, a late-round pick because they can fly under the radar. Okay, I can go through the last five years. Mason Wynn, strongest arm in the infield in minors right now, would be one of the strongest arms in the majors when he comes up. When he was drafted, oh, we're going to develop him as a pitcher and as an infielder. Well, there's a problem with that. How do you work out a throw schedule where it's like, oh, you did great, five innings today, you're going to go back to shortstop tomorrow. No one will do that. Cronenworth. Well, so, they could use him on the mound, I will say that. <laughs> so then, <laughs> It's true. Yeah. The Cardinals need pitching. It would have been nice if they developed him. But uh, the Pirates did it with their – they had a – I'm blanking, but they had a top pick recently who was a two-way guy. They let him DH for one year, then he focused on pitching. You see this all the time where you – Coming out of the draft, they're like, oh, we're open to it. It's just so hard. Casey Kelly, years ago, oh, yeah. did it for one year. And then it's, it's almost like we're going to do it long enough to determine where we think you're more promising. And then we're going to streamline it because it's just they, they don't want to take the risk of screwing it up. I also have heard, though, of guys who get drafted – the Giants used to do this. They would draft position players because they liked their arms. This is way yak. This is during the, uh, you know, this is the early 2000s. And they draft hitters who they like their arms. And then they would wait for them to fail as a hitter. And then they would, they, they were smart about it. Then they would wait and they'd say, it's not going to work out for you as a hitter. Why don't we move you to the mound? And one of the guys, John Langus. I think led his league in batting the first year. And privately, there were Giants guys who were real bummed about it because it was like, yeah, it's going to cost us two years before we can develop it. We can't now. break the news to him that we don't want him as a hitter for two years. Also in the book, the Pirates, book? when they signed me, after the Blue Jays released me, the Pirates signed me and they go, they go, before we release you halfway through the year, they said this the day they signed me to my minor league contract. We'd like to see if you could pitch. What'd you say? I didn't care. I got a job. But in my mind, I'm like, this sucks. <laughs> I had the twins tell me the same thing. That you might pitch one day. They're like, if you can't hit, you're going to pitch. You and pitch. I'm like, I can hit. I don't <laughs> want to pitch. 2,115 <laughs> later. You could hit. Yeah. But I was yeah. like, Worked hell out. no. <laughs> <laughs> Especially hey. once you're in pro ball and you see what pitchers do, you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm never doing that. <laughs> what a damn day. Draft is continuing. Where are we at? Royal just made a pick? 44. Did they pick a pitcher? Of course they did. 
Because guess who needs pitching? The Royals. They need a pick lot. outfielders. What? They need a lot. They need a lot. They need hitting. But, I mean, they've drafted. They've spent a lot in drafting pitching, and it has not worked out. It's been a shame for Kansas City. That That's derailed the rebuild. They designed it that they drafted the college pitchers first and followed with the hitters with the idea that the hitters, that the Bobby Witt Juniors, the guys like that, would arrive and you'd have a rotation of Singer and Lynch and Coar and guys like that. And the pitchers haven't developed in most cases. Singer, I think Singer's still going to be up. Okay. He's you know. fine. Yeah, yeah. He's not a one. Right. Not a one, but it works in a rotation. But the problem is because those guys haven't developed and you've spent your resources more recently and a lot of times on bats, you're kind of stuck because they don't have enough arms and they've developed, they spent a lot of resources on those arms that haven't developed. So where do you go from there? You go back last to the pitching place. again, I guess. Last place. Last place. And in fighting a, with the Oakland A's for worst record in baseball. It's a, a bad spot. In a to terrible be. division. In a terrible division. Yes. Hey, draft lottery next year, though, they can get them one on one. They got a lot That's of right. ping pong balls. Let's let's a get a couple fan questions in there and then we will uh, sign off. So, JJ1 from Kevin K. Just, pa- uh, let's see. Thoughts on the Braves and the Phillies picks? Do you have thoughts? Sure. Uh, we talked about Waldrop a little bit, but to get Waldrop where they did, I'm going to sound like a homer for two teams that I have no ties to, but both of the teams got players who wouldn't necessarily have, you didn't, wouldn't always expect would have fallen to their picks. Waldrop was one of the best college pitchers in the class. Not the best, but one of the best. And now he's going to an organization that's shown that they can really develop pitching. And then the Phillies take Aiden Miller, and Miller was one of the more accomplished high school bats, high school infielders in the class. Long, long, long track record. Was a USA baseball star year after year after year. And we had him 20 up on our board. Not a massive reach, but they got him, they got him after that. So thumbs up to both. There you go. A little video of Aiden Miller right now. Aiden Miller, though. That shows him at third. He, he plays a little bit shortstop, too. Wasn't he going into the year, though, like the top high school guy, one of them? Yeah. I mean, I've heard about Aiden Miller for a couple years now. No, oh, yeah. So I'm saying he's been a USA baseball stud. I'm going back to 12U. So he's one of those guys who he's been famous for a very long time. What's a successful What's a successful draft pick? In the, in the, in the sense of an organization – Taking a guy in the third round, getting 2,100 hits. Taking a guy in the first round, getting 500 at-bats. What's successful? I've run those numbers, and now I don't want to misquote them. But but between the first round and the third, I think you've cut it in two-thirds the likelihood. A first-rounder is three times more likely than the third-rounder. If I remember, again, I don't. I'm too tired after this week to try to quote that off my, I'll be so off. But I would say that if if you're in the top 10 picks, that guy should, almost without fail, doesn't always work, but you can count on a guy at least having a couple of years as a regular. There are examples. Mark Appel is an example of a guy who did 
Tyler Kolick. We could go through guys, Riley Pint. There are guys who didn't. But Nicky Moniak is an example. Looked like a bad pick. 1-1. He's still got a career. He's still playing for the Angels. Now you get to the 15, 20, 25th pick. Some of those guys, the bad picks, the tough picks at that point, are sometimes guys who wash out in A-ball. Like, we talk about the Royals. A couple of years before, they took the Singer, Coar, all those. They took Ash Russell. Ash Russell made it, never made it out of low end. That was first-round pitch. And that's not just them. That happens. We talk about guys. I mean, there are guys who've been drafted, high school guys who were drafted in 2019, 2020, who because of injuries have barely pitched so far. Here we are in 2023, first-round picks. It happens. That's one of the reasons when we talk about college pitchers and why do you teams like college pitchers more than high school, it's kind of like they've gotten through the most dangerous years as a pitcher, right? If you're a college pitcher, if you're a Paul Skeens, doesn't mean he's not going to break down, but you've already shown I can take the ball 15 times in a row and go out there and give you seven innings and I can be healthy enough to do it again. When you take a high school guy, an 18, 17, 18, 19-year-old, they haven't done that yet. And sometimes they can't. And if they can't, then you find it out after paying them a lot of money, whereas the college guy is already, the college guys who went to college and found out they couldn't, they're not getting paid. So I want to ask you, there's two things I want to finish with. One is we're looking at a board right now at the last... 10 years of number one picks. What was it? An hour and a half ago or so, David Seifert was on with us, and he told us when he worked for the Phillies, Moniac was one of those picks where the Phillies saved money early, right? And they were able to distribute it later on, right? Did he not say that? How did that go? Now, Mickey's doing okay with the Angels, but it did not pan out for the Phillies. Bad draft. Bad draft. But were there players after Mickey in those next 10 picks that – Oh, yeah. We're probably more highly regarded by most teams. Yeah, but that is up. You look back at that draft, it was one where you look at it now and you're like, there was a lot of busts in that first round. A lot of busts in the top 10. Great story about Mickey Moniak, my old agent when I was playing. He's, he's from San Diego. His kids went to the same high school as Mickey Moniak. Yeah. And they said, they went home, Dad, you got to get this guy. He's going to be great. He's like, ah, first one, one. He didn't, said no? Didn't even try and get him. Didn't try and get him. Wow. Okay. That top 10. This is an example of they don't all work in top 10. Mickey Moniak, one. Okay. Nick Senzel, two. Ian Anderson, three. Was good, then got hurt. Yep. I had a dinger. Two a dingers off. Two of dingers off Ian. Helped the Braves win a World Series, though. Yes. He's had problems since, but he was good that one time. But I agree. Okay. So far, we're not doing well. Riley Pint, four. Who? Corey Ray, five. Corey Ray. A.J. Puck, six. Raxton Garrett, seven. Cal Quantrill, eight. No-hitter throwing Matt Manning, nine. Ten count. Zach Collins, ten. That's not a great tough draft. That's a tough draft. You're right. That's a tough draft. And that's the thing about the draft. That's the crazy thing about this is we won't know how, which teams did really well on this. We'll know which teams did really well before too long. But we won't know who completely blew it. It's six, seven years from now. 2017 draft, top five picks. 
what do we know about Hunter Green? We he's he looks good, he looks impressive, but we don't yet know what Hunter Green's going to be, right? Yeah, but he's a big league pitcher. Right. I'm not saying he's a bust. No, I, saying, we don't know where he is in a rotation, but he's a big league pitcher. Right. But we don't know what we don't really know fully what Kyle Wright is. That's a college pitcher from Vandy 20, from the 20 21 wins. Right. I'm saying he's been good, but is he an ace or is he more of a middle? Doesn't matter. Yeah, but you he can't. He won a World Series. He helped him win a World Series. He yeah. did. Like Ian Anderson, he's a win. Yeah, absolutely. He helped him win a World absolutely. Series. Absolutely. And Kyle that's Wright's a win. a win. Oh, that's a big. Right now, that right. is okay. definitely. Roy, it's always Roy a win. They, they're not the same without Ian Anderson that year, right? Royce Lewis, number one pick in the 2017 draft. I like him still. But injuries mean we're still waiting for Royce Lewis to show us what he can do. Why and it's 2023, and he was drafted in 17. Just an example of how it takes a long time. Why did they put him in the outfield? I don't think they'll do that again. <laughs> no. Right. Injuries have held him back. He's actually been good when he's been in the field. Yeah. Twins have had problems with a few players like that. Obviously, Buxton, too. Okay, so last topic. How do we get more... Ellie De La Cruz like talent into the big leagues. So I know it's a big topic on your mind. What? He loves Ellie, by the way. I well, love Ellie. To be fair, he loves Ellie. When I was calling for him to get called up, I promoted him really hard. AJ's gonna he's waiting to erupt. These guys weren't as excited. True or false? You were not as excited as no. me for the no. Ellie De La Cruz call. Just say Nobody true or false, and then excited. you can talk. Nope. What? Nobody could be as excited as you. No, not true. Todd. Todd Frazier Todd was excited. He bought baseball card. cards of his, rookie true. cards. That was smart. Um, the I don't know his name, but the Reds broadcaster was pretty excited about it. He's done a nice job with the calls. He's like, best thing since uh, pistachios. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, this is, this is an important topic. Ellie De La Cruz, especially watching him this weekend, still third and then still home on one play. You're watching him. I, I was showing my dad the clip, and he's like, oh, my God, imagine what that dude would do in the NFL. I'm like, yeah, that's the problem. In America, NFL, NBA, you're 6'7", and you move like that. You are probably in one of those two leagues because they're probably sexier and you can make money quicker. Kyler Murray was a big story back when he was picked by the A's, ends up going QB route in the NFL. You can dispute how he's done in the league, but he's made a shitload of money. So how do we get more Ellie in MLB? I don't have a good answer to that, but it's not just Ellie. O'Neill Cruz doesn't play baseball if he comes up through. Is Shoei Otani the best athlete? Came up in Japan yes. and was allowed to develop as a two-way player. Have you ever seen Shohei Otani in person? Oh. He's six foot five. He's huge. Takes two steps. He's the fastest dude. He's the best athlete on the field. 99.9% of the time he's on the I have the answer. If you see an incredible athlete. Then why did you, you ask the question? I'm putting it. It's a BS answer. He's asking questions. You have to today. get him. Yeah. You have to get that player out of the country. Be like, yo, go to the Dominican Republic where baseball rules. <laughs> if he's in the country, they're going to look at him and be like, dude, you want to be the next LeBron? You want to be the next? Well, if you're. Six seven, you're probably a tight end, but Calvin okay. Johnson, you want to be Jimmy Graham? Calvin Johnson. Calvin Johnson was a first round talent as a baseball player. Calvin Johnson was? Wrote, we wrote him up when he was in high school. I've talked to scouts who are like, okay, this year, Deuce Robinson. Deuce Robinson's a five star tight end. 
He's also a baseball player, likes baseball. I have, I find it unlikely that he's going to just go baseball. Five-star tight end, he's going to go to USC. He might play both sports. It's going to be hard for him to end up playing. The only reason he'll probably end up is if he really, really, really loves baseball or if it doesn't work out in football. Uh, Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson was a great high school baseball player. There's a lot of these guys who are great high school baseball players, but you can get paid a lot more quickly and you a lot more quickly and the path to it, playing in the SEC, playing in the Big Ten for college is a lot more fun football. True. I'm Adam just Dunn. saying we should be thinking, right, we should be thinking about a way to get players like that quarterback enticed to be in the big leagues. There's got to be a way. Jeff Samarja. What? NIL. Yeah, pay them. Pay them early. I don't know how you exactly do that, but you got to figure out a way. Joe Maurer. That's a success story that way. Right, because he was a – Joe Maurer was That's a one right? It's, it's a touchy subject. He took, he took his job. It's a touchy subject. We don't bring it up on this. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, <laughs> let's sign off. Are we slapping hands? Uh, I don't think we're slapping hands, but we are doing Kratz hats if, if it's available. Do you want this to? This hat has been so tight. I don't know if I can get it off my head. No. That's a good Kratz hat. I figured I'd wear it for America. Rail Riders, Scranton Rail Riders. I didn't know I had another one. Obviously, the International League adds a little extra flair. I love the the uh, July 4th, even though we missed it by like six days. I've been wearing it for a while. And you guys were both at the high school All-American game. I didn't mention that earlier, but wanted to throw that in there. You guys had a good time, right? So that was we sent you guys there so you could prepare for next year's draft. Are you? Dude, do you prepared? know how good of a pitching coach I was? Kratz sucked as a third base coach. Only one run. Okay, they got one run. Did you throw BP? They wouldn't let me. Did you offer? No. I'm a <laughs> pitching coach. Okay. He was a pitching coach. He was the most bougie pitching coach too because it was sunny, and he had a towel around his neck, and he was like, he was like. He saw Adrian Beltre. It was the first time I ever saw him speak Spanish. He was like, hey, que pasó, papi? You did? You yeah. spoke Spanish? First Spanish I've ever seen him speak. You've never done it on this show. I habla. Okay. I just don't well, like to show off. Good news. We have many, many hours left of foul territory taking over Seattle. So we'll get AJ to speak a little more Spanish coming up. So, um, But yeah, merch available, foulterritoryshop.com. That's what the hat looks like. This is what the shirt looks like. There is a uh, wristband on my wrist too. You probably can't see it, but you can see I it don't on the website. I didn't, I didn't know. That, I didn't know that was happening. Yeah, how do I get one of those? That we have these? No, oh, Nito, gang. JJ like needs one. What? A wristband? Yeah. Welcome cool. up. We got you. Hey, special thanks, JJ. Thank you for joining us today for these Thank last. Thank you guys few hours. for having me. Really appreciate it. It was fun to kick around some topics unfiltered. Uh, make sure you check out all of Baseball America's content covering the draft the next couple days, too. There is a lot more to go with the draft, and we're not covering the rest of it. They are. So check out BaseballAmerica.com. We'll be through all through 616 or so picks. And the site is fully renovated. You've just unveiled fully. the new website. When was the first day? Friday. Two last Friday, Friday. Friday a week ago. I know because I think that's the last time that I got any sleep. <laughs> <laughs> do we get the 
free login? Gotta hook you up. Okay. Oh, let's go. Otherwise he was going otherwise he was going over the balcony. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and lastly, thank you to the MLBPA for hosting us for the next few days. Thank you to the MLB Players House. We are here. We're gonna enjoy the rest of the festivities here for the rest of the night, and then we will be on Monday from around one to four Eastern time. We'll talk home run derby. We'll bring on guests. Hold on, wait. White Sox I can never get through a promo without AJ. The White Sox are picking. Okay. Raul Abanez is picking. No, I don't know who he is. Grant Taylor. They're playing the music. Give us your analysis on Grant Taylor. Great right-handed pitcher, tall guy, good slider. LSU. You didn't see him. Late life. Late life. Late life. Late life. Tomorrow, a lot of pitchability lefties will be taken at some point, okay? And I won't be announcing it. We're getting out of here. Uh, Monday and Tuesday, 1 to 4 Eastern, and also Tuesday night, watch the All-Star Game with us on Foul Territory's YouTube channel. Thanks, fam. We'll see you on Monday. Hey, FT Live fam. If you're new to the party on the BetMGM Sports app, enter the promo code FOUL. F-O-U-L for up to $1,000 back if your first bet loses. It's simple. Ready? Download the BetMGM Sports app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Sign up and deposit into your newly created account. Place your first bet offer and receive up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if it loses. If the bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once the wager is settled. Gotta use the bonus code. Foul.